This is Donald Parham of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the LA Football Network. Stay tuned. Welcome to Chargers Unleashed. Dan Wilkinson and Ryan Dyrud here from the LA Football Network. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Sports, Mint Mobile, Aura, Athletic Greens, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in, be sure to hit that like and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, X, and also on ESPN Radio, 1090 AM every Friday. Uh, ESPN, welcome. Shout out to you. Ryan Dyrud filling in for a one Jake Hefter. Ryan you are full on in holiday season. Thanks for joining. Hopping on, my friend. How are you? My man, what is up? Uh, been on there a few times with Jake, not with you lately. We've missed each other. It's been a crazy season. It's been a fun season. I mean, not necessarily fun for Chargers fans, but in just football in general. It's been fun. We're going to get into all of it. Um, but yeah, great seeing you. I, I thought you were rocking a Nuggets hat at first, but then I see it's a dope kind of throwback Chargers hat. But, but yeah, yeah happy honestly, to be here. I'll- Honestly, the hat reminds me of a combination of Chargers, Nuggets, and Warriors. And they have like a Warriors yep. color one as well. That I'm like, my wife literally, I came home with it. She's like, is that a, oh no, that's not a Warriors hat. But yeah, yeah. this new one is sick. So I'm all about it. Uh, you mentioned it. Chargers season has been a roller coaster, to say the least. Um, What's new? Pivotal, pivotal, pivotal matchup between the Chargers and the Denver Broncos, a team that you know very well. Uh, playoff implications on the line storylines galore there's drama in this one there's a history with some of these players and obviously some of the coaches and coaches on the coaching staff we're gonna get into all of that uh but ryan before we get to that five thousand foot view for you what does this game bring to the fans of both teams Mm, what does it bring in terms of like season output or just like yeah, because three like hours both, on Sunday, three hours on Sunday, because I think a lot of people are looking at this and I'll speak for Chargers fans and you probably know this and also Broncos fans, too. But I said it a few times, like, don't let the Chargers team win this game on Sunday because X or Twitter or socials is going to go into absolute mayhem because they're going to have and I'm I apologize for Jake not being here, but you'll have like the the pessimist side of fandom that is saying like, uh, great. Now we got worse <laughs> draft picks and I wish, we yeah. would, you know, that kind of, versus the we're going to the playoffs, baby. Like that's the mayhem that's going to be coming in this three hours and post game. But like for both teams, playoff implications, you got drama. Like, yep. I'm seeing this as a huge, huge game. But there are yeah. some people who say eh, it's not that big a deal. It's just kind of kicking that can down the road until the inevitable. What do you say? Yeah, well, I mean, it basically, you know, based on stuff we've heard and just common sense tells you that you know barring the chargers making the playoffs which i think many would still want to see them make a, a change if they make the playoffs but barring a, a you know winning out making the playoffs maybe winning a playoff game you think brandon Staley and the staff is probably probably done so this game specifically if they lose this game i would say they're pretty much done at eight losses you know you maybe sneak in at nine and eight if you went in but mm-hmm. probably done they win obviously you're at six and seven if you get to 10 and seven, like they did last year and made the playoffs, you never know what can happen when you get to the dance. So in terms of your question, I think this game is kind of a, is the season over or is there still a glimmer of hope in the hopeful side of fans? Like you said, the pessimists are going to be pessimists no matter what and be probably angry with the win, but it's kind of like that season goes on or the season is ultimately over at five o'clock on Sunday. I've said this a few times, Ryan. Uh, I said this to Jake. I've said this kind of all season. Is like the there's some sort of peace in me, in my opinion, anyways, knowing that one way or another, like this team is going down the tracks on a tra- like a train tracks, right? And it's gonna go one way or another. It's either gonna go really good or it's gonna go really bad. There is no in between, in my opinion. And you're either gonna see crazy wholesale changes or you know, Music City Miracle. You'll have parade you name it i don't see any other option and there's peace in my opinion that like regardless like the train's going down the tracks and like right now it's at a crossroads and it could either continue up the maybe we got a chance or steep decline and i think that's what this game brings is like at the end of the crossroads it's gonna go one way or the other but momentum's a thing and you beat a rival team in division, the one the one that's ahead of you in the playoff standings, uh, one with the history, which we'll get into. 
uh, I think that says something. And you've heard kind of reports of some guys getting healthier. So we'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about like predictions. We'll talk about bold predictions, kind of the matchups on offense and defense, the coaches as well, uh, the history. But before we get to that, Ryan, let's talk about our friends over at Mint Mobile. We'll be back in roughly 40 seconds to talk all things Broncos, Chargers, Week 14 matchup. If you've ever thought, why in the world is my wireless bill so damn high? Then let me tell you about our friends over at Mint Mobile who we're partnering with for today's video. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network, so they keep costs low by selling directly to you online. They cut out the retail stores and the salespeople. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. So why should you have to pay for more than you have to to access the same network. It only takes 15 minutes to switch and you'll be paying as low as $15 a month for your phone plan. It really is that simple. So use the link in the description below, trymintmobile.com backslash chargers unleashed to get started. Click the link in the description below or scan the QR code. Ryan, I don't know about you, uh, but wireless bills are getting more and more and more expensive by the month and you're seeing all these hidden charges. Big Wireless wants you to think that they're the only option. Don't be duped. Now through January 1st, you'll receive an additional three months free if you purchase a three-month plan using our link, trymintmobile.com backslash charges unleashed. It's also in our description. The offer is available on all plans, including unlimited. Again, go to trymintmobile.com backslash charges unleashed. Get premium wireless for as low as $15 a month. Buy three months, get three months free through January 1st, 2024. Mm -hmm. Ryan. Good stuff. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Chargers offense versus Broncos defense? The alternative or or like the drama going into this? Let me, yeah, let me ask you this first. I don't know if this is what you're talking about with drama. Maybe it's completely different, but I think it's a fun starting point. Last year, before the season, the hot name on the list for the Chargers to get as head coach was Sean Payton. Everyone wanted Brandon Daly out. Go get Sean Payton from the Fox booth. Bring him in. Obviously, the Chargers decided to stick with Brandon Staley and the Broncos lured Sean Payton with a first round pick and a very lucrative salary that who's to say the Spanos family would have even paid that. The season started for the Broncos one and five. You had a lot of fans saying, well, we dodged that bullet. And now all of a sudden you've had the Broncos. They won five straight. They just lost last week to Houston in a, in a tough battle. But you can I think it's safe to say the trajectory of the Broncos franchise is on a very upward trend and the chargers as it is right now are on a downward trend. So maybe we're talking too much in the past, but for you, Dan Wolkenstein, are you bummed that the chargers missed on Sean Payton or you're more excited about future changes and and what's to come? No, I'm not. And you know, time is a fickle thing and it's all dependent on when you snap the line. You know, for example, if you snap the line, when, you know, when it was what week six, you would say Sean Payton failure. <laughs> then yeah. fast forward six weeks. Oh my goodness. Failure on the chargers part. Snap the line. We're at that point again. So like if you yep. even those two out, I think there's probably some truth in the middle of it. Um, say what you will about Sean Payton. Like I think is five and six or six and six for that team. I think what are they? Are they six and six? Six and six. No. Yeah. Six, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not a success with that roster. Like, I'm sorry, it's not. And they've dealt with injuries. They've dealt with things. But are they on an uphill trajectory right now? They just lost. But overall, yes, uh, the Chargers just won. So it's kind of like a reverse of these two roles. I don't necessarily think that, one, would the Spanos seem to your point? Would the Spanos group pay that? Two, look what they had to pay and would losing a first round draft pick right now help what the Chargers are going through like roster construction wise like that's critical so i don't think the chargers had an option to do that given the contracts given kind of the roster and how it's made up right now um now you could argue long term how it's set up like would the chargers be better off with Sean Payton for the next 3 years or Brandon Staley i honestly don't know i don't know you know, it's what it's something where it's hard for first-time head coaches to succeed. That doesn't happen often. And the mm-hmm. Chargers have gone through that many times. Sean Payton, obviously, is not a first-time head coach. He's had experience. 
Brandon Staley right now is now three years in. What's to say another new head coach is going to be any better? And say what you will about some of the issues on the defense or many issues on defense, which some of it is Brandon Staley's blame for roster construction or for personnel decisions and who is not coming. Some of it could be, you know, scheme, whatever. There are things that he's done poorly and he takes blame for, but there are also things that he has done very well for this team and is kind of lost throughout all of the, the heat that the team has been under. So I don't know to answer that question. Like it's complicated, but I think like yeah. the, the drama in my opinion is like one side, it's the Sean Payton kind of all the stuff that he did, which personally you've heard about money Smith talk about kind of how he felt about what he did kind of, vying for a job that really wasn't there last season in the media, going for the Chargers job when the Chargers job wasn't there. And, you know, I thought that was kind of weird. And then, you have, so you have the Sean Payton versus Brandon Staley aspect. You have the Joe Lombardi, who was let go by Brandon Staley because mm -hmm. of the offensive performance last year. And then Kellen Moore versus Joe Lombardi of like, which one is better? Are they any different type of thing? And then you have the AFC West division rival. You have playoff implications. Like there's so much to this. And I think what's important for Chargers fans to, to understand or to, to at least acknowledge is like there, there's nuance to all of this. And there is no one person to blame or one person who should take all the praise. It's a collective effort, good or bad. And right now, Chargers have an opportunity to have two game win streak. I think currently their playoff chances are what 10% right now. I've seen crazier things happen. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you look at kind of the playoff picture in total for the AFC, like it is bruised and tattered. And that's like an understatement. I'm being kind. The quarterbacks of these AFC teams that are in the playoffs right now are vying for playoffs. Not many of them are starters. Yeah. Well, look at the playoff picture and you tell me which teams. They'd rather see them over the Chargers if they can somehow get in with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert would probably be other than maybe Tua and Mahomes. Like there's a conversation about those three. Otherwise, there's no better quarterback. Josh Allen, maybe. But that four, that's it. Everyone else, Lamar Jackson, another one. But like the the wild card specifically is what I'm referring to. Yeah. Um so I mean that 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 young kid down in Houston is playing pretty good too. True. True, but he's buying <laughs> to even try to get into the playoffs. Like the the he like he they, just lost they three games on the Chargers. We, uh, it's true. I mean, but yeah, they tell, that's a huge loss. That's your boy, and that's, yeah, that's boy. my guy. That's my guy. Uh, so, um, let's get to this. One, so, one thing to add, real quick, Dan, if you don't mind, uh, before we get more into this specific game, I, I still think the way this season's gone it's time to probably make a change. And I think I, we've kind of, I think full sale changes. Um, How high, how high up the totem pole? So there's, there's head coach or let's say coordinators. We all, well, we know the, the personnel stuff, but like coordinators, head coach, GM, VP, or president owner. Well, president is also one of the owner's sons. I don't think that's changing. Right. So you can't go that high, but I think from GM all the way down from Tom to go down. Um, I, Obviously, there's been coaching issues and deficiencies for all three of these years and, and certain things. I think me and you have probably been the most supportive and bullish of Staley and the staff overall. And I think we can see the big picture and, like you said, nuance in different situations and, and how, you know, he is the head coach. So he shoulders all the blame, but there's a lot of other aspects that go into it. I've started now to look at more. Tom Telesco and how he has done things. And I would argue that I think he is probably more to blame for some of these inefficiencies. And here's kind of an example. And I'm going to compare this to the Broncos since that's the team they're playing this week. And they're, you know, the situation they're in, in terms of record and whatever is similar. When you look at now, George Payton, the GM of the Broncos, and they have this new ownership group that just came in last year, they have pivoted now three different ways in less than three years. When you look at coaching changes, when you look at quarterback changes, when you look at coordinators, all these different things, they've tried something, switched it up, changed it up. For the nine years that Telesco has been here, it's basically been all chalk. It's one through seven rounds in the draft. We'll go get maybe one premier free agent. We'll fill some holes here and there. 
I'm not saying he's a terrible GM, but he's never like pivoted on any of his changing things. And you said a really interesting thing, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but you said last year when Sean Payton was available, the Chargers couldn't have given up a first round pick because of holes they needed to fill this or that. The Broncos had already given up two first round picks to go get Russell Wilson. Fair. They made a trade, traded Bradley Chubb, a rising star, to get a first round pick back, then used that first round pick to go get Sean Payton. So Tom Delesco just hasn't been creative enough to do things to go all in on this roster. We always, there's that all in phrase we've used a lot. And <laughs> yes, they've spent some money. Yes, they've gone and got some premier, you know, free agents. When you look at Cleo Mack and they've signed Corey Lindsley. And then Cleo Mack was probably, Cleo Mack was probably the one thing that he has pivoted in terms of yeah. like trying something new, trade premium capital for premium talent. That was the yeah. one. And look what it's done. The guy's leading. And that's the NFL been a great staff. pivot. That's been a great pivot, but it's like they've, he's too much relied on not recognizing when a mistake has either been made or not willing to correct that mistake quicker instead of it's been, it's, it's almost been a, a look in the mirror moment between ownership and Tom Telesco, right? Like the ownership, the big thing is they hire a coach. They're not going to fire him until the contract runs out, whether it's too cheap, whatever you want to argue, they run it out. Telesco has been the same way, whether it's a draft pick or a trade, Barring JC Jackson this year, basically it's like, well, we're not going to re-sign it, but we'll just kind of let it the contract ride out and then just tail off in the sunset. Yeah. Tail off. Exactly. So we let's get to the game. But that was just one other thought that it's like as an organization, the Chargers in these nine years with Telesco have outside of firing Anthony Lynn and then go getting Brandon Sealy, there's been no pivots where this Broncos in three years have pivoted that's a lot. True. And that's like yeah, no, no organizational pivots. No organizational pivots that yeah have been able to change a trajectory. And it's, I think that's the frustration about like not having the ability to give up a first round draft pick because of the lack of pivots, if you will, or lack of change from Telesco, or if you want to call John Spanos, whoever makes the decisions of personnel and draft, they have not changed things and have followed the same suit. You fast forward and now you're looking at a team and Jake, and I just started the discussion of like, the enigma that is a 2024 roster construction of this team. And it is brutal to look at what this team looks like next year, both from a personnel perspective and salary cap. And so I, as much as people want to blame Brandon Staley, and again, he's a head coach, he shoulders it and he'll be the one to take the fall. It falls on the sword. That stuff's been happening well before he got here. Well before. Well, I know Chargers fans don't want to hear this, but there is no reason this Chargers roster going into 24 should be in worse shape than the team across town at the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> Based on what the Rams have done with all Dude, their crazy you deals. How, how many how many rookies slash undrafted free agents or undrafted rookies, excuse me, were on their roster to start the season? It was like 30 something. 30, it was 39. 39. And look where they're and at. And they're a six and six better football team. <laughs> and so, okay. I know we're kind of going off to Wendy's here a bit, but I, I think it is an important conversation. Yeah. Fundamentally, what is the reason, in your opinion, that the Rams have performed arguably better in our better contention than the Chargers this year? Like, I, I have my opinion, but I want to hear yours first. Okay, so my mind, two things. Um, One... And I, I I still believe Kellen Moore can be a really good offensive play caller. So I'm not I don't want people to come at me with pitchforks and say he's terrible. But it it I'd be hard pressed for anyone to prove that he's better than Sean McVay. Sean McVay is just a better offensive mind in my mind so far. He's more proven and some of the things they've done. And and Rams fans will be frustrated with some games. And we've talked about it on our Rams show all the time. Like there's sometimes that McVay gets away from doing things that work and that's frustrating. But overall, when you look at his game plan, his strategy, what Matthew Stafford's been able to do, um, I think that's that's one big difference, and that's part of the reason why, which I'm sure we'll talk about here later in the show, why the Chargers offense has been struggling this year and is fundamentally or at least statistically actually worse this year than last year, which is pretty wild. Two, they drafted really well this year. Uh, you look at their first-round pick, Steve Avila, or I guess second-round pick, Steve Avila, absolute home run on the offensive line. Kobe Turner at the defensive line was a third-round pick, home run. Byron Young, third-round pick, home run. Puka Nakua, I don't even want to. I don't believe the biggest Chargers. home run you can have. I don't want to trigger Chargers fans right now, but the Chargers took two receivers, 
before Pukunakua. And not only does Pukunakua have quadruple their stats, he's leading the entire NFL rookie class in stats. Yep. So that's three. They they nailed their or that's two. They nailed their offensive line. Three is I think player buy-in to culture and coaching mentality. And I think this is the biggest one. And I think the Chargers and Brandon Staley did a really good job in year one of recreating the culture and getting the player buy-in. Year two, they got pummeled with injuries. To me, last year was a coach of the year type year for Brandon Staley, making the playoffs at 10 and 7 based on what they were up against. But for whatever reason this year, it seems like there is a big disconnect between what the coaches are wanting to do and what the players are wanting to do. And there just hasn't been that buyout. And when you have guys like Dean Leonard and other guys that are outperforming big name secondary players, that tells you the guys that aren't expected to play a lot are buying in and the guys that are, are not buying in. And that's why they're underperforming. Now you can argue, what is the issue? Is it not buying in or just not, not having it? Like they're just not those dudes. Like who knows? Because for example, like Michael Davis, $9 million on the books and he has not been anything like he was last year. Now, again, in context, go look at the games that he was playing against poor teams for what five, six weeks stretch. Like that probably inflated how good people thought of him, but it just, it's tough. It's tough to argue against the lack of buy-in and it's tough to argue against like the draft stuff, because at the end of the day, like the chargers team, they've got a whole bunch of guys that are injured that are making top dollar, which is, you know, that happens sometimes. But like the guys behind them, they just haven't stepped up. Period. Yeah. So well, here's another, here's another example. Real, real quick, real game. quick. I know we're coming up to it for ESPN Radio. If you guys are still on ESPN Radio and you're just going to tune in, please check us out on LAFB as well as Chargers Unleashed on YouTube anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, sorry, continue. Yeah, sorry. Just and bringing it back to this game. So to the Broncos, you know, at one and five, Dan, you know this. Obviously, they were. Not just the worst defense in 2023, they were a historically bad defense. I mean, 70 points. 70, 70 points to the Dolphins. They were giving up their their rush defense was giving up 50 yards more per game than the 31st worst rush defense. They were a historically bad run defense. They didn't fire which the shows, which, which Ryan shows, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but it shows how good it's been over the last four or five games because while the rush defense of the Broncos is still last by 10 yards over the next worst, they had to climb that big of a hill <laughs> to get to just 10 yards worse. <laughs> yes. It was a large hill to climb. So, and that's why people need to look at week to week and not just the whole season. Cause it doesn't tell the whole story, but, but anyway, I was getting so historically bad, not just bad, historically bad. Didn't fire the DC Vance Joseph. Didn't make any wholesale changes outside of getting rid of some, big name veterans and they went with younger guys. You know, remember they got rid of, um, you know, some big name edge rushers that they had just Randy Gregory. They just signed a year prior, another pivot that they made, right? They signed him to a 15 million per year contract, ate some of his contract to get him out of there. Cause it wasn't working out in the locker room. That was a pivot. They made Justin Simmons after they beat the Minnesota Vikings on primetime was asked like, what changed with this defense? Like you're now one of the, in the, since week six, you're one of the better defenses, obviously all the turnovers, what changed? Was it scheme? Was it this? Cause we talk, not just me and you, but in Chargers land, we talk all the time about scheme and all this stuff. And that goes into it. I'm not saying it doesn't. Justin Simmons says, we didn't change a single thing in terms of <laughs> what we were doing in practice, our scheme. We just believed in the system, believed in each other, and made sure that we did our job and didn't overthink and try to do other jobs. All of a sudden, not only do they win five games in a row, they're one of the better defenses in football, and they're playing with guys like, oh, McLaughlin, who's an undrafted free agent in the, in the secondary. It's not like they have all these just stars. They have some, obviously Justin Simmons being one of them, Believe but they have guys, Believe they have guys like the chargers that are. Yeah. And so the interesting thing, and I'm, I know I'm rambling a lot and this is your show and I'm taking over. So I'm not trying to, I no, apologize, but I like the with, this is what's important. The interesting thing with the chargers is there's that aspect of it is okay. Why are guys not buying in? Why are they not just doing that? That, little thing and trusting that what the coaches are coaching them will work. But then the other side of it is as a coach and a teacher, if your guys are not buying in and seemingly every week it's not working, then it's time for you to change 
your style, your practice schedule, your scheme, whatever it may be to get them to buy in. So that's kind of the hard whose fault really is it kind of thing. And that's, and that's one area that I do put a ton of blame on the coaching staff is it seems like it took way too long to make these pivots as a coaching staff, whether that's how you coach, who you're coaching, who's starting. It seems like that could have been done earlier. Now, maybe it was done at the perfect time and they rattle off five wins. They go 10 to seven, who knows? But I don't think it's a good look for guys like Michael Davis who are being benched for UDFAs and waiver wire pickups, and they are looking much better than you collectively. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like Brandon Staley's defense and most defenses, especially now in a passing league, like the buck stops in the secondary and their ability to tackle and end a play. And say what you will about Dean Leonard getting beat on some slants and some, he has tackled and ended a play and it hasn't gone the distance. And yep. too often this year, one busted coverage, one busted tackle has costed this team multiple victories, like multiple. Go back to the Packers game. Watch what Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. did on that last mm-hmm. defensive drive. Go back Titans to the game. Titans game. Same thing. Like it, over and over. Go back to the Lions game. Go back to the Dolphins game. Go back to the Vikings game. Like so many of it is that. And so say what you will about them getting beat, they're not getting beat for home runs. They might be getting beat for doubles. And as a defense, that's what you need. You want to extend the drive, make them beat you, go down the field. So now that we're 25 minutes in, Ryan. <laughs> yes. Chargers offense versus Broncos defense or vice versa? Where would you like to start? Uh, we've been talking a lot of defense. Let's go Chargers offense versus Broncos defense. Okay, so Broncos defense. You mentioned how important kind of the the shift in mentality and player buy-in and what that meant to this team getting to where they are now. They finally got over the hump. They're six and six playoff hunt. Culture seems to have shifted. The run defense still is bad. Yeah. (laughs) Hasn't been as bad as it was before, but Chargers offense run offense is brutal. And you heard Brandon say talk about this week that there's competition quote unquote for who possibly is going to get carries and what that role is going to look like. Who knows what's going to happen with his Chargers offense from a passing perspective? Like, I feel like it's a joker at this point. Like, you have no idea what's coming out of that jack in the box, and you kind of just got to cross your fingers, hope for the best. Do you see this as a chance for the Chargers running game to get going, given the Broncos' defensive struggles on rush defense, or is that maybe not quite what it might look like? It should be. Um, will it? I don't know. I mean, I like I... <laughs> Like we said, the Broncos' rush defense has certainly gotten a lot better. It's still not like great, but it's definitely you know against the Browns, they held the Browns, I think, to eighty yards rushing total or something like that um, in that win. So you know it's it's gotten better. It certainly though is not as good as say the Jets, who the Chargers have already played, and and some of these other defenses. So that they can get it going. The real question is, is you know and this goes back to pivoting too late. Like, are they going to give other opportunities to these backs? Because as much as we all love Austin Eckler and he'll go down, I think as one of the great chargers of all time in the fan base, he hasn't been good this year. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. He has not been good this year. He's had drops, critical drops out of the backfield as has all the receiving core, but he usually doesn't do that. He's had many drops. He's not hitting the holes. I mean, we've seen, I've seen many plays. I'm sure you have, when you look at the all 22 and, (laughs) You have the 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 gap option or the zone option. It's he right takes the, right clearly the wrong one. So you can blame we can blame play call. We can do all this, but as a back in this system, like you've got to be able to hit those holes, and he's not hitting them. So can Joshua Kelly get more? Why is Isaiah Spiller not getting more play? Is he really that bad, or is he not understanding the system, or what's going on with that? After how highly they've talked about him and how you know using draft pick on him, so. To answer your question, I think it's an opportunity, certainly. I don't think we'll see a whole lot of difference. I think they can certainly have a little bit more success and be in that 100-yard range, but I don't think it's going to be... They're not going to win this game on the running game because I just don't think they're they're there yet to commit to it. Yeah. Yeah, and you look at, like, the... You know, I think the the Broncos, they hang their hat on their secondary. I mean, Justin Simmons, Pat Sertain, I would say, arguably, both of those guys are top three at their position right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's an incredible duo, and that's a duo that the Chargers probably wish they had in Derwin James, JC Jackson, and it just didn't work out. But like 
that front is pretty good. Like, I don't think Baron Browning gets enough. I think Jonathan Harris got Zach Allen. There's, there's guys there, right? Like, yeah, the defense has gotten better. The Chargers offense, though, like they. I don't want to say the protection has been bad, but their protection has been bad when it matters most. <laughs> yeah. And they just haven't been able to execute when it matters most. And that's been like what's plagued them all season. Yep. I mean, even even in that even in that Patriots game, like it took them until the last drive on one catch from Alex Erickson to ice yep. the game against the Patriots team that is offensively historically bad. Yeah. Like they had every single chance to ice that game from the first quarter on, and they never could. Yep. And so I think like Chargers offense versus their defense, we don't know what's gonna happen with Josh Palmer if he's gonna come in. They just opened the window. It's pretty unlikely, in my opinion, that he's going to play this week. And then you got a short week coming up against the Raiders, but they need some consistency and they need some like dependability on this offense. Like you look at the defense, that's what a St. Bassey, that's what like Dean Leonard has brought them is like stability and some level of like dependability of the guys being where they're supposed to be. On offense, like you're seeing. Drops from Donald Parham, drops from Quentin Johnson, drops and fumbles from Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. You're seeing offensive line getting blown up on the right side sometimes. The running backs are dropping balls, they're not hitting lanes. Like, there's only so much Justin Herbert can do. Now, has he been perfect? No, but he's been pretty damn good this last month. And the team really has kind of let him down, especially on offense. And so, like, they got to get right you can't blame the coaching staff for these guys dropping and fumbling. Like that's on execution. Like they learned that from Pee Wee all the way up. Like how do you, like at some point these guys just got to man up. Like there has to be player accountability. Like imagine what Gerald Everett is talking to with former tight end Donald Parham, or like imagine Keenan Allen, even with his drops and fumbles talking to Quentin Johnston, like this stuff can't happen. And there's only so much you can coach and scheme up for. If your guys aren't executing, you're not going to win. And so it's it's now, what, week 14? And we've yet to see this offense execute with the defense for a game. And that is just sad. Yeah. Like, that's sad. And on the macro, that's a coaching problem. Micro, one game at a time, whatever. But 14 games, again, they have five more. We'll see. Uh, any like specific matchups that you're looking forward to? Obviously, you got Pat Sertain versus possibly Keenan Allen. I'm, I'm sure they're going to double, triple team him at some point. I'm curious to see how Quentin Johnston lines up in this game, who he lines up with. I would love to see the Chargers just pepper him. Like, go down with your guys. <laughs> We've been saying that for 12 weeks. When's it going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, pepper him and actually give Darius Davis some snaps as a receiver. Like, yep. you got to use who you have. And right now he is the only guy yep. other than Quinton who could get past the defense. Like let him go down my, my specific thing. Can we please see like two or three shot plays down the middle of the field on go routes? I don't want to see sideline stuff where it just goes out of bounds and whatever. Like give these guys a chance to go get it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, you know, frustrating when you think about where this offense is and like why it hasn't progressed and there's so like, who do you blame in the blame pie, right? Like, is it the scheme? Is it Herbert? Is it the receivers? Is it the offensive line? And obviously like most things in life, it's a collective, uh, a collective unit that there's, I think, blame to go around, you know, and that's a more s systematic, I think, issue and, and problem that would, we could dive into much deeper at a different time uh, in terms of, you know, matchups, Obviously, Keenan Allen and Pastor Tan, as you mentioned, is going to be a great one. Um, Alex Singleton at the linebacker position for the Broncos is a guy I don't think gets a lot of shine. He's kind of a lesser like known him. guy, but yeah. he's been killing. I mean, he's a tackling machine um, all over the place. Him and Josie Jewell as backers are two backers that really don't get talked about a lot on the national spotlight. But if you want this Chargers running game to get going, it's how are you going to get them out of place and neutralize? Because, I mean, they fill holes quick. So um, that's going to be kind of an interesting one to see. And, you know, what do these tight ends do? And as you kind of alluded to, are they going to be – because we can say all we want. We want to see Quentin Johnson involved. But for whatever reason, they just, whether it's on him, whether it's on Moore, whether it's on Herbert, it just doesn't happen. Um, it's honestly – insane to me how little utilized he is and everyone most 
most people, and I get it. I mean, he's your first round pick, but most people are saying it's on him and he's a bust. But when you Go really take, take I, he's, he's I think had it's drops. more. Yes, he's, he's had drops. He's had, he's had drops, but up until this past week, which I thought that was the best they've utilized him all season. Up until that week, he has not, even that, I still think they could do more. They just haven't utilized him. They haven't prioritized him. They haven't schemed for him. He has been an afterthought, literally, all season. Yeah. Well, and here's, here's a perfect example. And especially when you play a receiver, it's contingent on so many things and so many people. And you have to have confidence in yourself. In the middle of October, in the middle of October, Pukunakua led all receivers, not rookies, all receivers in drops. I don't think anyone thinks about that right now. They're like, wow, Pukunakua <laughs> is lighting the league on fire. All everyone talks about with Quentin Johnson is drops. But yeah, Pukunakua across town had way more than him. But the Rams kept peppering the ball, getting his confidence, and now he's leading all rookies and is a dominant figure fixture in that offense. The Chargers, for whatever reason, again, if it's Herbert, if it's Moore, if it's Quinton, whatever, are just not getting him involved enough to if, – if it's an issue, then let's see it as an issue like, okay, dude had three Force drops it. today. Force the get issue. Him, yeah, get him out of here. He's had four drops today. He's done. One critical drop when you get one pass, one target, it's like, you know, it shouldn't happen. I'm not giving an excuse. It's a first round pick, catch sure. the dang ball. But at the same time, like you got to get him going. It's like a running back that needs carries. It's like a pitcher that needs, you know, warm up reps. It's like a it's goalie. A, it's that, a quarterback who throws an interception and then needs to get back out there and throw a pass. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you got to do that. So Thank I'd you. love to I'm, see I'm him. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you, that's all I've been asking for, man, is like, get the guy reps, like let him push through it, help him push through it. And I don't know, to your point, I don't know if I'm talking to Justin or to Kellen. Yeah, And it seems to me, it seems to me like it's Justin. Yeah. And I, agree. I understand, like, I understand, like, you know, he wants to go to the guys that are dependable. He wants to go to the guys that are catching. I, I get all of that, but I don't know if that's the better thing for your team. I don't. Yeah. And again, that's why I liked what they did against the Patriots is they actually peppered him. He had the second most targets in the entire team behind Keenan Allen. And yeah, mm -hmm. he had the really bad drop, but that was the most productive game he's had. And I think that's why he was so hard on himself after that drop was because he was that close yeah. to having like that statement of like, all right, we're here. And I wish that the Chargers would go back to him after some of these drops. Like you saw what happened a few weeks ago. He has the drop and then they kind of go away from him. You saw what happened there. Has a drop, go away from him. Like go right back the next drive, give him a slant route, see what they can do. I mean, and we're saying all this stuff about this offense against the, the Broncos defense, but like the Chargers offense, again, this, like this is supposed to be a top five offense we're talking about going into the year. And currently they're 21st in first downs. They're 15th in yards. They're 11th in passing yards, 25th in rushing yards, 26 yards per attempt. That's not good. Like none of those are good. 11th in points per game. Mm -hmm. like people want to talk about the defense being the issue and the defense has been an issue a lot this season, but both sides of the ball have not lived up to, to expectations period. And that's been the issue. So flipping <laughs> charges defense versus the Broncos <laughs> offense and you know, the Broncos offense, you say what you will about Russell Wilson, like say what you will about like what they've been able to do and the, the win streak and all that kind of stuff, like make no mistake about it. Like that's been because of the defense. Now Russ has done things well at times. Like he's scrambled. He has more confidence and all of that. But still, yards, Broncos offense twenty fourth in the NFL. You look at yards passing, twenty sixth rushing, thirtieth. Like these aren't good. The, what has helped them has been their field position, starting on I think their thirty first. Sorry, start, starting on the thirty first the 31-yard line, fourth mm -hmm. best in the NFL. Defense has been balling out. Defense, best in turnovers. Like, that's what's helped them. Yep. Turnover percentage, second best. Second, third fewest scoring percentage a lot on defense. Like, that's what's brought them there. So, like, the offense, like, the Chargers defense, like, while the Broncos offense isn't bad. It's not good. It's not good. And the Chargers defense should perform well. 
Like if they yeah. could perform that way against Baltimore, exactly. this offense is nothing like Baltimore. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, they're going to be going against an offense that they ran for two years when Joe Lombardi was their, their coordinator. So they should be kind of knowing the ins and outs of what they do. And obviously checks and, and calls will be different at the line of scrimmage and, and whatnot. So they're not going to know all that, but it, they're it, They shouldn't be getting anything thrown at them that they haven't seen every single day down in Costa Mesa uh, for two years. So it's a it, they should absolutely have their way with this offense. The Broncos offense in general has been really bad in the red zone. So as long as the Chargers, yeah, even if they give up some yards uh, between the 20s, as long as they crunch down in the red zone and, and holding the field goals. Um, but then it's like, how confident are you the Chargers are going to score a touchdown? So it kind of goes both ways. But in terms of, um, you know, it's, it's and let me, I'll, I'll say it like this, like it's wild to think that this Chargers offense with who they have, even with the injuries and with the quarterback they have, is really in terms of points, not a whole lot better than what this Broncos offense is. That, in this and that first is such year. an indictment. That is such an yeah. indictment when you look yeah, at these teams. Exactly. So, but defensively, Chargers have played well the last few weeks. Um, this one should be no different. I mean, looking at like specific players, like obviously Cortland Sutton's a dude. Um, Jerry Judy, I think he's had positives and negatives. I think he's had. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's had a better year this year than what has happened previously. Marvin mm -hmm. Mims, I think, is a guy that probably isn't utilized as much as I think he should. He was a guy that I loved going into the draft. Yeah, like, he's the, it, my, the Quentin Johnston syndrome, just not getting used my, enough. My mind kind of goes to, like, who are the guys that could beat you with, like, home run plays? Like, obviously, Javante Williams, he's probably the one guy that I think as a Chargers fan, I don't want to see beat me. If I see an over-the-top or broken tackle thing go wrong and we see house calls from Judy or Marvin Mims for 60-plus, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. I'm going to lose it. Like that yeah. That's what's going to break this defense. It's not the bend but don't break. It's the break. And if we see those, that's why Bassey and Leonard have it in there is because of those breaks where they just give up the whole thing. As long as we don't see those, mm -hmm. the Chargers win. I have no doubt in my mind if there is no broken coverage, if there's no, if the Chargers just do their job and they make Denver go down the field meticulously, Chargers win. But they yeah. have lost almost all of their games because of like one or two massively poorly timed, backbreaking execution mishap. Yep. And that's, that's been their game all season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, the Chargers should win this game, I think. Um, I personally, I don't know if we're doing score predictions yet or what. I, I don't Let's think Let's do it. They it's will. been a while. Let's do it. You don't okay. think they will. Ooh, okay. Here we go. Well, and, here, we go. and here's why. If they, if they, okay. As you mentioned, the Broncos this year are number one in turnovers, defense forced turnovers. The Chargers, Justin Herbert doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, but Austin Eckler, they've had trouble fumbling the football. And the Broncos are all about forcing fumbles. So if that rears its ugly head with the Chargers and you see a, a fumble in the red zone like we saw just recently, or you see mm -hmm. uh, a fumble over the middle or ill-timed and the Broncos are able to have that field position because I don't think the Broncos are going to score a lot of points. It's not like they're going to all of a sudden have this explosion on offense. But if they flip the field and they're able to get a nice couple field goals or get an easy gimme touchdown, that's what they've been living off on this you know last six weeks. So until the Chargers can prove that they're not going to turn the ball over in critical situations, which is and and that's the thing that's plagued them the last two or three games specifically, because going into those, exactly. they were the best in the NFL in turnover margin. And then for whatever reason, the last two weeks, not including the Patriots game, that's yeah. what cost them the game. That, that exactly that flip. So that turnovers. And then as we've kind of talked about, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but for whatever reason, this, this offense just seems broken. Um, it just doesn't seem like what it should be. Um, whether that's play calling, whether that's Justin Herbert at the line of scrimmage, not quite being good enough dissecting the defense before the, the ball is snapped, whether that's him not wanting to take the big shot. Um, I think he only has like, we did an article on it today on LAFB network that I think he only has like two or three passes, not air yards, but two or three passes of 40 plus yards. Like everyone's talking about explosive plays. They're down fundamentally this year in explosive plays with Kellen Moore. Um, his air yards are on par for what they've been over the last two years, but they're way lower than that they were in his first two years. So it's just fundamentally this 
offense just seems broken and it, I don't know if they get it fixed this late in the season. So yeah, it's going to be, it should be a good game though. It's an AFC West game. I feel like, I feel like I sound like I'm all down and, and gloomy. I don't want to sound like that because I'm <laughs> usually the optimistic one, but just for whatever reason, just the offense being broken, the defense being inconsistent. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard to really predict what this team will do and they could come out and ball out like they should have done. I just don't know if they'll do that yet. Okay, so quickly, as we get out of here, uh, do you see either of these teams as a playoff team? Fast forward to January. Um, I don't see... I'll just be honest, and I don't want to be negative. I don't see the Chargers as a playoff team. Um, I just think fundamentally they're, just, they're, they're, they're not going to win out, I don't think. A I think whole they would lot need to win out. Change. Yeah, a whole lot of I think change. they need to win out. If the Broncos win this game, I think they will make the playoffs. If they lose, if the Chargers do win and the Broncos lose, then I think both teams miss the playoffs. If that answers your question. <laughs> it does. Uh, look, like we said, there are so many storylines in, you know, the, the the slice of pie of the blame can go so many different directions. And honestly, that's been the case for both teams. And while they are kind of facing different trajectories now, like this is another kind of inflection point on the season. And I feel like you can kind of, People talk about it in quarters, and it feels like for these two teams specifically, it's like thirds, like the first yeah. third, second third. We're in the we're in the home stretch here, and ugly yeah. wins doesn't matter. Like you just take the win, and right now this Chargers team and the Broncos team, for that matter, they're looking to win in December. And the Chargers got one, Broncos don't have any right now. That's going to be the season and arguably the career for at least the Chargers coaching staff and probably general manager between now yeah. and January. Um, Anything else? Any other kind of big picture or uh, specifics that you want folks to pay attention to or call out before we get out of here? No, I think we hit. I think we hit a lot of good stuff. It was fun chatting with you about that. I haven't really get the opportunity, and you know, every now and then, you know, I'll jump on Twitter or whatever and gets fun and around. I mean, Chargers fans, man, are the best for engagement. There's no fan base more engaging on Twitter. Engaging, um, they are the best. Engaging, engaging they are the best. How yes. they engage, different story. Yes, but hey, I, I love it. So I think it's great. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I really, last thing I'll add, like, I really want to see Justin Herbert play elite football down the stretch. And I, I don't want that to come out wrong because I know you, if you say anything bad about Justin Herbert, the pitchforks come out for you. Um, but I think there's stuff that he could improve in his own game. And I'm, I'm sure he would admit that. And I kind of alluded to it earlier and, you know, pre-snap, I think he hasn't been great pre-snap and, and, you know, just second the defense. When, when we talk about end of game, um, not production, end of game, um, execution. execution. A lot of that is, you know, for instance, the Baltimore game, right? It was a cover zero. You knew they were bringing the house. You can't do a seven step drop and expect to have time to hit the open receiver. It's got to be quick and that's got to be decisive and decided pre-snap. And I don't think he's doing enough of that. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying it's all his fault for these woes, but in those moments, when you know the defense is bringing the heat, and the defense knows that you're probably going to falter under the pressure or your offensive line isn't going to have enough guys to man it, you have to make that decision. That was a big thing with Jared Goff and his development. When he against cover zero blitzes, for whatever reason, he could not get the ball out quick. And so that's just one example. So I want to see Justin Herbert in that maturation process. I'd love to see him play elite football at the line of scrimmage pre-snap because that's that's the next step of his game. We know he can make all the throws. It's deciding pre-snap where the ball goes and how to get it out quick. So you're not taking those back-breaking sacks. It's unfortunate, and I think you know I think a lot of Chargers fans kind of come to Justin Herbert's defense because it's unfortunate that it always comes down to those moments. And of course, like you know, Justin Herbert could be playing so well, and offense, defense, whoever lets him down all game, and then finally. At the end of the game, when he's been playing lights out all day, like, you know, he misses a, a coverage or read or misses an audible. Obviously, no Corey Lindsley is where that is impacted most. And that's what it's remembered by. And um, I also want to see, like, if Justin Herbert just plays the way he's played the last month and the offense just plays that way with him, they're golden. But yeah. they simply haven't. And it's sad. Jake and I have talked about this all season. Like it is laughable and I laugh. So don't cry how much <laughs> we have lacked any sort of complimentary football all season. Like even look yeah. at the wins Like go back to like the, the bears win or go back to the, the, the Patriots win or go back to the, the win again. Like 
all of these wins, even like the Jets won, the Jets won like the defense did everything. Offense was terrible. You yep. look at the, the Bears game, the points look like it's an offense. That was the defense that did that. There really hasn't been a game where both teams, both sides of the ball have played well for more than a half at best. And I'll even give that a stretch. That's what I want to see. Like, can we just have one game? And it'd be nice to do it against a division rival. Like, yep. you can make things interesting. And this this game is all about giving yourself an opportunity to play another meaningful game. You lose, that's basically out the window. And I mentioned the top, like, momentum is a fickle thing. And yep. you win against a division rival, short week against the Raiders. Those two becoming wins, and you're seven and seven. Folks are scared. Yeah. I'm telling you, external yeah. folks are scared, and they would rather play the teams that have backup quarterbacks than the Chargers, <laughs> regardless of what's gone on with the defense, regardless yep. of the coaching issue. They would rather see the Chargers not in the playoffs. So make it interesting, cause mayhem, see where the chips fall. Love it. But you got to beat Denver before then. Ryan Dyer, this has been a pleasure, man. I love talking ball with you. Uh, you always bring amazing insight, especially knowing the Broncos team and the Rams. I think there's been a lot of insight here. The Pukanukua stuff, like, hats off to you. I just want to see the Chargers do right by Quentin. Like, if he's a bust, he's a bust, but let us prove that he's a bust or let him grow out of it. We'll see. Yeah. Until hey, then, Keenan, huge. Keenan Allen has more drops than Quentin Johnson. Just throwing that out there, too. So This year? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. He, knows, he probably also has like 500 more targets. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Minor, exactly. Detail. Minor detail. But look, uh, Chargers fans, Goach, be sure to stay at halftime. Antonio Gates going into the Chargers yes. Hall of Fame on Sunday. I'll be there. Uh, one of the goats. We have a giveaway going on right now. Uh, go to LAC underscore Unleashed on X, and you can see the pinned tweet. Uh, be sure to enter for that giveaway a signed, inscribed, custom Antonio Gates jersey. All-decade team player. Uh, until then, for Ryan Dyru, Jake Hefner with us in spirit, Dan Wilkinson, LAFB, Chargers Unleashed. We'll talk to you next time.